Well, good morning again. We're going to share the word of God this morning. And I just really trust it will touch your heart and uh, it will move you guys. And so continue please to pray. We have a number of people still down with a little bit of COVID and flu and all those kinds of things. And um, so yeah, I just keep the family in prayer and keep the loved ones in prayer. And uh, I see we're still sitting at another 10,000 infections today uh, in our country. Another 257 deaths. Um, it was amazing this morning as I was just looking at the figures. Um, it's amazing how immune we've become to people dying. You know, I mean, on, on Friday, we lost 534 people in this country. And it's just like, pfft, you know. And then all of a sudden, I, I go across to the figures, and in the last 18 months, we've lost 81,000 people to this the thing. It's, it's a real thing. It's, it's genuinely a real thing, you know. And I think we've become so blasé to to the, the chaos around us, because I think at times we're so concerned with, with this that we forget that God needs us to have a heart for that. And, uh, you know, things have, things have changed incredibly in all of our lives in the last 10, 15 years. I, I don't know about you, but if I to backtrack to the last 10, 15 years of my life, how our country has changed, how people have changed, our work has changed, our, absolutely everything has just and I think it's sometimes challenging for, for a lot of us, because I think a lot of us, I, I nearly said at a certain age, but I'm not going to say that, um, but a lot of us have come out of, out of a lifestyle, and we've been led by really good leaders, um, and mentors, and fathers, and grandfathers growing up. And if there's one thing I've got to say to you is that, that, that I loved about, and well, I didn't love it at the time, but as the older I got, I realized how important the discipline was in my life and how important the discipline was that my dad and the correction my dad gave me. At times we didn't agree with the hidings, you know. At times we didn't agree with what he said. At times we felt, you know, we were just innocently picked on. But the world has changed so much. And the problem with this is that, that as the world changes, um, we seem to be losing our moral fiber in life. And, and, and when I speak about losing our moral fiber in life, it's like just everything goes. You know, I think there's, there's one thing that uh, our parents taught us and our great-grandparents and our grandparents taught us, and that, that there was a very, very fine line between black and white. I, I think as growing up as kids, we, we were never allowed to have a gray area in our life. It was either right or it was wrong. And if you stepped into the gray, it almost considered to be a rebellious. Do you know that you were stepping out of what God and, and what the church and, you know, what your parents wanted for you? So it was a real challenge for a lot of us. But we come into a society today where we are too scared to speak anything. And it's not just the gospel that has been watered down, but I think society, everything has been watered down. Do you know the way we discipline our kids, the way our kids go to school, their belief systems, our belief systems, uh, the church, uh, government, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. I remember being in the police force and, and, and we used to catch a guy for, you know, a zol of Dhaka and the guy get like a year sentence for it, you know. Now they catch a guy with like no, 600 tons of this stuff, you know, and it's like, oh, he gets a thousand and bail kind of a thing, you know. It's like, well, okay, well, see you next week kind of a thing. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm wondering what it is. Is it, is it us? Is it the church? Is it us individuals that are just 
standing our ground are we really at that place we were so scared to stand up for what we believe because we're scared we're going to offend somebody and that's a real challenge in church life because I've got to say this to you the church is not going to get easier I mean, we look at the legislation that is happening and, and what is being passed at the moment and I see there's a debate now whether Easter is still going to be a Christian holiday and, and Christmas is still going to be an Easter holiday. And slowly but surely, they're chipping away at what it is that we believe and what we stand for. But I also in the same breath want to say this to you, that we've only got ourselves to blame at the end of the day. Because we were a nation 10 years ago that the, the survey said that 80% of nation believed in God of the Bible. 10, 15 years, 80% of our nation confessed to believe in God of the Bible. And how things have dwindled and how things have, have fallen apart in a sense. Um, how we've lost our first love. How we've lost our passion. And, and all of a sudden, where all of a sudden the church was honored and pastors were revered, you know, and they held a title and they were held in high esteem. All of a sudden, the church becomes the laughing stock. I don't know about you, but, but I, I just, I, I don't even want to sometimes go listen to the news or read the news because it's like every single day in a nation, some pastor is being arrested for either chaining some kid to a bed or molestation or rape. It's crazy. And yet we need to be the example to the world out there. And yet we're following men and we're following people that have no moral fiber at all. And for the last few weeks or a month or less, so I've been speaking a lot on Matthew 7 and Luke around there of the discussion that Jesus has um, with his disciples. And I want to touch on it because, you know, a few weeks ago I spoke about the whole thing of, of do not judge others. I spoke a few weeks ago about asking uh, to, to do it two, three weeks ago. I think I spoke about the narrow and the broad road. And I want to carry on with that scripture today because I want to, I want to get to the place in, in chapter 7, verse 15, where Jesus makes this this. This confession, and I think, not a confession, but he makes this statement. I think somewhere along the line we've lost the real root of this thing. And so I'm going to read it to you this morning. But it goes like this. He says, beware of false prophets. He says, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes, or from fig trees, or from thistles? Even so... Every good tree bears good fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Now, this is a quite a scripture because I think so often when we preach this kind of stuff, when we speak about false prophets and that, we think it's about all these guys with their different religions out there. You know, we can pick them up and say, well, it's, you know, that cult believes in this and this denomination believes in that. But the word of God, the, as I read this this morning, Jesus is not speaking about false religions. What he's pointing to this morning is that there is false prophets amongst us. And so he's not speaking to the world. He's not speaking to, to, to you know, all the different cults that are there. He's speaking to the church. You see, we believe that a false prophet is somebody that is the doctrine that is to us. It is a cult. A false prophet is a prophet of God that preaches the wrong thing. Now, Jesus says a very simple thing in his says, you'll, and you'll know them by their fruits in what it is that they produce. 
do we miss this? Because, you know, I look around me, and please, don't get me wrong, and I'm, I'm not in a bad mood. I was looking for something quickly. I'm not in a bad mood this morning. A lot of you might think. But, but I really think that there, there is a calling upon so many of our lives to become serious about the things and the purposes and the plans that God has for us. And somewhere along the line, I think we mosey through life, and we just mosey, and we just accept everything, and it's just easier to just to do what God has called us to do, or just easier to do whatever seems the best at the end of the day. But the problem is this, that none of us are operating in our discernment. No, operating in our discernment. I've watched pastors, and please, don't, I'm not condemning, and I'm not judging, but I've watched pastors come in and out of ministry like a dentist surgery. You know, they just go have an affair with two women and they repent and four months later they just start a new church and down the corner, you know, and six months later they steal two million rand from the church and they repent and six months later they just open up another church. It's madness. It's absolute insanity. Have we got no moral code? Have we got no moral line in what it is and how we live and who we believe? And the saddest thing is that people follow these people in droves. Droves. Pastors accused of kidnapping and, and, and child um, trafficking. And they've got thousands of people that are absolutely sold out to their cause. And Jesus says, be careful of these people because they're going to preach the same message as us. They're even going to look the same as us. They're going to have little sheep stuff. But he says, inward is what the challenge is. Inward is what is, making, what, what is out to be. You see, Matthew 7, and I just want to touch quickly yeah, in verse 15. I'm going to read... From the message Bible, I'm going to just jump back for it. But he says, be wary of false prophets who smile a lot, dripping with practice sincerity, which means, what does it mean? Practice sincerity means they've got this down to an art. I've got this down to an art. Let me tell you something. I can stand up if I'm a gifted person and I'm a charismatic person. I can get up here and I can preach every single Sunday without even interested in God. I don't even have to pray during the week. If I'm a good speaker and I can find a good sermon. But the word says, don't be fooled by the sermon. Don't be fooled by the honey dripping from the pastor's mouth. He says, what you've got to check out for at the end of the day is what is the fruit, not the fruit of my ministry. Because anybody can have good fruit. What is the fruit of my life? As an individual. You see, you can't judge me about how many people I've got in the church or, or how many people are going to worship. You're going to judge me according to how I live my life. And are you pleased, as, a, as, your, as I'm your leader, that you're happy with the moral code of my life? Because you've got to understand something. We've got to be very careful what we allow into the church these days. Because if you're going to invite the guy, and please, I'm not on this, but if you're going to invite the guy that's had five or six different affairs to come and preach in your church one Sunday, you know what he's going to release? You know what he's going to release? The Word of God says our battle is not against flesh and blood. He says against principalities and powers and forces of the dark world. And if somebody walks in here with the wrong spirit, let me tell you something. When somebody's sitting here and they're not in connection with God, that spirit goes. And before you know it, you've got five or six or seven people in your church having a phase. Why? Because somewhere you allowed the spirit to be released. Now let me tell you something. I'm not a guy that hogs the pulpit. You guys know this. And I don't mind sharing this book with anyone. Oh, but man, you've got to have wisdom. You've got to have wisdom as the shepherd who takes care of the sheep. 
You've got to have wisdom who comes and stands up here and what they say to your people. You've got to have wisdom that when you go and watch all these little YouTube things, what is of God and what is not of God. But not everything that says God, God is of God. And I'm going to touch on that now now. But it's a real fact that you and I need to check our hearts out. He says this. He goes and says this. Um, dripping with zeddy. Chances are they are out to rip you off somewhere or another. Don't be impressed with charisma. But look for character. And I'll, I'll say that again. Who preaches, who, pre, who preaches are in the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit or emotional um, or, or rob you of your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burnt. And so the word of God, that's the message Bible. It says it like that. It says, be careful. And I don't want to preach a heavy message this morning, but I think we just follow for the sake of following. I think it's just so easy just to, you know, pick up an offense and just be angry. But I think it's so important that you and I understand the word of God says that not everyone says, Lord, Lord, will see the kingdom of heaven. This. We miss this very thing. He says, he said, you've got to watch out very carefully. He says, and be careful. Don't be fooled by outward appearances. In a sense, but be pulled, but, but be, be moved. But what moves the inside of a man's heart? You see, there's one thing to act holy on a Sunday. It's another thing to be that believer on a Monday to a Saturday. There's a challenge. There's a real challenge. And we become what we follow at the end of the day, whether we like it or not. You see, the Word of God says a very careful thing, and He says, and I'm going to read to you in the, in the second part again. But the message says, be very careful that you don't be fooled by a man's charisma. Rather look for a man's character. I think sometimes we need to look back, and I'm not speaking of past, I'm speaking of all of us. Because all of us in some way or another, we've got people we look up to. We've got people that mentor us. We've got people that speak life to us. We've got people that encourage us. And the word of God said, be very careful of these kinds of people because they can lead you astray. They can take you away from the will and the purpose and the plan that God has for you. And they preach right things. They say the right things. They say the right hallelujahs at the right times. They lift their hands at the right time during worship. They look great. The problem is that we've come to a place in society where all we want to do is accept people on face value. And we've got to be wary of that. Because just because, oh, well, he's a good-looking guy, he's got a good suit and he's got a nice car, well, we want to follow this. But you remember the Word of God says very clearly that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's corruption here and there's bitterness and there's all these kinds of things here. You know what happens? It comes out of your mouth eventually. And so be very, very careful of that. I believe, you know, and, and I've said this before, we've all messed up. And we've all done wrong things. And we all understand that, that when we repent to God, God is able and just to forgive us. You see, but there's one thing about repenting, and there's another thing about walking out your repentance. Now hear me here. Because it's very quickly for me to say, oh, Joel, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I messed up. But the thing is, we say amen, and we continue to do what we do. We continue to do what we do. Somehow we think that just repentance is just as get of our free card, you know. Well, Lord, I'm so sorry, I'm fair, you know, um, um, but I, I repent. 
You know, go past collect, beginning, don't collect 200 rand kind of a thing. We think that somehow along the line, this is some kind of a game where we can just keep on messing up and God just needs to keep forgiving. And yet we don't understand that even though our sin has been dealt with and removed as far as the east is from the west from us, and it doesn't count against us because of Jesus, there is still a consequence to every action. Whether you like it or not, there's a consequence to every action. You see, so often we want to give our lives to God and say, well, God, you know what, we're going to give our lives to God and, and we're going to sort out life. And I spoke about a few weeks ago. The problem is that we give our lives to God, we come, we join the church, and we just follow the leader, and our only input into our lives is what he says on a Sunday. But from a Monday to a Saturday, we don't touch the word. From a Monday to a Saturday, we never spend time in worship and we never spend time in prayer. Because it's just easier to come on a Sunday and just hear what Kurt or Kathy or, you know, devil or whatever's got to say. And, well, we're going we're gonna to glee, you know, some of that. And we're just going to hopefully it'll get us through the week. But there's so much more. There's so much more to this Christian life. There's so much more that God wants to do in and through you. Jesus didn't die so that you can be saved. Jesus died that you can come in relationship with him. That's what it's about, guys. It's about intimacy with God. You know, there's this, this controversial scripture that Jesus mentions straight afterwards, and we all know it. And we all think, you know, how can a loving God say this? Let's, let's just read it. And in verse 21, it says this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a hectic scripture. You know, especially for the grace guys. I mean, that's hectic. I mean, Jesus is saying, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because we just think if we say, Lord, Lord, we're going to heaven automatically. But he goes on this and he says, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So we get caught up in this, Lord, Lord, have I not depart from me, for I know you not. But Jesus says, the only thing is this, is that you're not going to be kicked out of heaven if you do the will of my Father. And what is the will of my Father? That all come to the knowledge of Jesus. So there's this responsibility that he throws towards you and I. There's this great commission that he throws towards you and I. There's this great thing where he says, as much as you live your life and enjoy where you are, there's a responsibility and there's a calling on our lives to share the good news of Jesus with someone. Why is it so easy to tell everyone about our bar stories and so difficult to tell them about our Jesus stories? Why is it so easy to speak about the BC days, you know, before Christ, before COVID, but we can't speak about Jesus now? And somewhere along the line, at times I think often the church and believers and Christians are almost embarrassed <laughs> to say we're believers. Because all of a sudden the world has told everyone that we, we're a little bit cuckoo and, you know, we're happy clappies and whatever you, and we, you know. And like, I, I watched this program the other day, um, a new, it's called the New World Future Space thing happening. People control things. And finally, the one woman turned around and said, these people believe in a God. And I laughed. Because let me tell you something. If something doesn't change within the next 10 to 15 years, there's not going to be a church. 
There's not going to be a bunch of believers. Because let me tell you something, our numbers are dwindling at a rapid rate. Not because the church is doing something wrong. Not because the preachers are off the hook or whatever it is. We're losing ground because we've lost our boldness. We've lost our genuine faith. The word carries on and says this. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, in that day, Lord, have we, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? I will say, says the Lord to them, that I will never... For you practice lawlessness. Now, now I'm going to read out the message Bible. And look, the message Bible... Let me just get it for you quickly. My message Bible is, is not the Alpha and Omega. I know it's controversial. But I love that at times how the message Bible comes and it says a few things. Now listen to this. In that very scripture, I loved it because it explained it to me so well. It goes like this. And it says, okay, where we got? Verse 24. No, no, sorry, verse 21. Let me get it. So it says, knowing the correct password, says the master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What was he saying? You know me, and you know about my word, and you know about church. It's not the password that's going to get you into heaven. He says this, he, he says, for instance, isn't it going to get you anywhere with me? What is the required and serious obedience? What, are, what it requires is serious obedience. Doing what the Father's will is. I can see it now. At the final judgment, see this, Jesus speaking, at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we've preached messages, we've bashed the demons, our God-sponsored projects have everybody talking. And he goes and he says, and do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was make you make me you sorry all you did was use me to make yourself important. You did not one you were out on your own. I, I love the way it explains it. He says he, what is he saying? He says you're gonna understand something. That there's two reasons why you do something. One, because you do it for yourself, and two, because you do it for me. And you gotta choose. You gotta choose. The word carries on and says, be careful. And I spoke to you before. He says, choose character above charisma. And Jesus says, it's easy to, to do the Christian thing. And he says, all these major projects. And Lord, you know, all over Facebook, I fed 5,000 people this week, you know. And, and then churches got people falling all over the church. And I'm like, what are you doing? And this message says it. He says, this is the problem. He says, you're going to rock up in the kingdom of heaven and you're going to tell me everything that you did for me. Meantime, that everything you did was for you. Because you wanted the honor. You wanted the glory. You wanted the praise. You wanted the pulpit. You wanted the perfect life. You wanted the perfect wife. You wanted the perfect car. It was all about you. And I really had to really dig deep this last week and thought father how much of what I'm doing is for me and how much of what I'm doing is for you and it's very simple that if I had to walk out of this church tomorrow and resign without a salary what I do or do I do this for a salary do we come to church because we're scared of hell or do we come to church because you really love him? I remember when I started dating Chantal. 
That was many years ago. 35 years ago. I remember that first date. I took her there to the summer stand grotto. Yes, the older guys will remember, you know. But I can't tell you how I was to go fetch her. I also couldn't tell you how excited I was to go fetch her. And it's like that. When I, when I want to come to the house of God, I want to feel that excitement in me. I don't want to just get up in the morning and go, oh, I've got to go to church today again. No, I want, I want that excitement of our relationship to mean something with me. To mean something to me. And when Jesus says, depart from me for I know you not, it's not a matter of, well, you've really messed up. It's a matter of, you've missed the boat. You've missed your purpose. You've missed your calling. You've missed what it is that God has for you. And that's a challenge, church. And I want to close with Because, you know, there's one thing I want to try and do to every single person in the next while is this. It has to be about intimacy with Him. Guys, we could lose this at any minute. You know, we used to laugh and joke and, you know, and before COVID, say, ah, you know, I mean, even if the government takes our building away, we would in the park, under a tree because buildings don't defy us you know, and then all of a sudden we didn't have a building and there was nobody under the tree because everyone was in their bed with a cup of chocolate hot chocolate, watching TV you know we all, oh Lord Jesus I tell you, they can persecute the church but I will stand Lord you know, and so knocks the clothes of the church and we're like, oh Jesus <laughs> You see, we've got to come to this place where, in spite of where we are, in spite of the fact that we're 521 days into a pandemic and no end in sight, because I see they've already predicted the next wave. These guys are amazing. Um, they predicted the next wave on the 4th of December already. What, what amazes me at the end of the day is that somewhere along the line, this should have been 521 days of his presence. Oh man, I'll tell you something. You know, instead of counting down the days of COVID, this was a perfect opportunity for you and I to fall in love with Jesus all over again by ourselves. This was the perfect time where you and I could just understand his word and get into a time of worship and just love on him because we didn't need all the noise and the sound and people preaching and Facebook and all this kind of stuff. All we needed was him. And imagine if we had gone into this COVID with that in mind. Oh God, I want to come out of this thing right next to you. I want to come out of this thing anointed, appointed, you know, and ready to take the world by storm. I don't think the idea was that we came out of this thing despondent and lost numbers and no more was coming to church and why isn't God answering prayer and why aren't people being healed and why are people dying? We've got all those questions. I don't know if I said last week or I said it on Wednesday. But I always had this thing that I used to say was, when I get to heaven one day, you know, God and myself are going to have a good conversation about all these things that I don't understand. And I remember the other day just having my quiet time and saying, God, ah, when I get up there one day, God, I've I got so many questions for you. And I just felt God say to me, when you get into my presence, there's going to be no unanswered questions. 
And I started to realize, why well, am I waiting for that kind of relationship for then? When I can have that kind of relationship right now. You see, I want to be one of those that he says, come and good a faithful servant. I want to be one of those that, that live a life that bring glory and honor to God. I want to be one of those that will identify a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. But I've also got a guard against myself that I'd become the wolf myself. Because it's easy to become the wolf. It's easy to become the wolf and just put on a little, little armor and we fool everyone around us. Remember something. There's one person you will never fool in your life, and it's yourself. It's yourself. Do you think we don't know? Do you think we need the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins? No, we don't. Every one of us know exactly when we're the line. Every one of us know when we're doing something wrong. You know, whether it's stealing money from the tax man or chocolate out of the supermarket, we all know it. We all know what we did wrong. But thank God we have the Holy Spirit that can bring us around and walk us in and out of this journey that we gain. And so this morning I want to say to you, church, it's time to discover your purpose. I don't want you to miss the boat. I don't want you to think that it's just a password to get into the heaven. I don't want you to be fooled by people. I don't want you to be fooled by charisma and charm. You know, I can be a great apostle if I wanted to. And let me tell you something, I can get the best camera crew out here and I can get five or six people to write me a sermon. And this happens, this happens. And they can write me this most amazing sermon. And I can get myself a nice Armani suit, you know. I get myself a little sexy haircut and a beard trim. And we can have the stage set up here. i tell you something. And when people go to YouTube, they're going to say, wow, wow, look at that. Look at that beautiful church. I need to be there. Oh, that pastor speeches words of truth. Look how well he's dressed, man. He's a real confident kind of guy, you know. And we take it on face value. But we have no idea what he's like when he walks off that stage. No idea how he treats his wife. No idea how he treats his kids. No idea how he treats his staff. No idea how he treats the people around him. Don't you dare be deceived by charisma. You see, because when a man of God and woman step into your presence, the character of Christ is revealed through them to you. Let's check our character. Let's check our relationship with Him. Let us not be fooled by false prophets. And let us definitely not come to the place where we miss the boat in what it is that God has for us. Can we Father, I want to thank you for this morning. And I think for many of us at times we miss the boat. For many of us at times, Father, we don't truly understand life. And we just want to exist and get through it in a sense. But we want to get through it as little pain as possible. Oh, but Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would come. I pray that I yesterday no would be no. I pray that you'd return to us the boldness, the faith of our salvation, the hope of our salvation. 
I want to pray that we become men and women of integrity and honor. I pray that we will find men and women of character and not charisma. But more than anything, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that we would come to the prayer. God, I pray that you'd fall afresh upon us this morning. That you'd really start awakening in us in, and in those sins in our lives where we become numb to and we almost just do them without even thinking about it. I pray that those things would be revealed to us, Father. But more than anything this morning, I want to pray that your purpose and your plan for our lives as individuals, Father, this week would be opened up like a book in front of us. And may we stand firm this week. And may we stand tall this week. And may we be bold this week. And may we be courageous this week. And may we fall in love with you all over again. Look where we're standing, Father. It's only through your grace and your mercy and your love and your kindness that we hear. Somebody spoke to us about you and we hear because of that. And may this week we be that, may we be that person that shares with one more person that brings them to the knowledge of Jesus. And so come and have your way this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.